So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Blog Talk Radio. Rhyme ruler, the mind of the master The yeah. prom poet, designed for disaster A crime candidate, the light heavyweight I yeah. might levitate right through the heaven's gate Rhymes record break, next bonds and vertebrae Simple yeah. and plain like Kanye, I heard him say It's murder one when he murder tracks I'm a dirt yeah. bag, flirting with songbirds and Birkin bags My first rap, catch Roberta Flex I'm a certified Mac, but I'm sure you ain't heard of that Slim dug in them hoes, they been loving the flow They been hunting for men like in vogue And I, I'm in season, the season vet I don't need respect, all I need is to check Mike, check The Memphis Grizzlies are currently the 14th best team in the Western Conference Let that sink in Let that sink in This is a team that was 12-5 and five at one point And at the very top, the very peak of the West from 12 and 5 to 19 and 25. Do the math there, folks. They are 7 and 20. 7 and 20 since that peak point in the season for the Memphis Grizzlies. That is awful basketball. That's what Memphis has been playing of late. We're back to where we were this time last year, it feels like, and that's extremely frustrating, especially considering the fact Marcus and Mike Conley have played. It's always been the narrative, as long as Mark and Mike are healthy, the Memphis Grizzlies are a good basketball team. That's not the case anymore. So welcome to the new reality. Welcome to the abyss. Welcome to the pit of despair. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, and this is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am happy to have you with us wherever you are, however you're taking in the podcast. I'm excited to have you as we try to break down what the hell has happened to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Everywhere you look, tons of great content out there, both from grizzlybearblues.com and other places. Everybody says similar stuff. It's not groundbreaking. The defense is abysmal. The offense has always been bad, but now the defense is bad too. And when you're bad on both ends of the court, spoiler alert, you're going to be bad. So that, that's kind of where we're at, but we can go a little bit deeper than that. And we have a great guest this week to help us get that depth. Ways to get in touch with the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. Again, I am Joe Mullinax. I am the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues, which, of course, is the Memphis Grizzlies fan blog for SB Nation. I am also the host of this wonderful little podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at GBB Live, and you can follow the blog, grizzlybearblues.com, at SBN Grizzlies. Please do so if you are not already. Our guest this evening, who's going to help me Try to sift through the muck and the mire, and oh my God, I just don't even know. It's depressing. It's just bad right now. It is bad, and the worst part about it. And Peter Edmiston wrote about this, and we'll talk. We'll talk to Dave about this. It doesn't make sense for them to to tank. It doesn't make sense because of the pick and the conveying and, and the weakness of this draft and the top heaviness and 
oh, it just, it hurts. It's like being stabbed in the eye with a pencil, but not like a, not like a dull pencil, guys. Not, not like a little itty-bitty nub of lead. It's the full sharpened son of a gun that's going to go straight through your pupil and in through your brain. That's what it's like to watch this team right now, and it's, it's just hard. It's all bad, and hopefully we can get some outside perspective on this. Maybe he can talk me off the ledge not wanting to jam writing utensils through any part of my skull. He is an awesome guest. He's our first time on the show. He's actually written a guest post in the past for grizzlybearblues.com. He is the host of Nerder She Wrote, which is one of the greatest podcast names out there, part of the back-to-back podcast uh, network and count the dings and all the stuff that they do over there. Pretty awesome, uh, their, their Patreon concept and the way that they're building up their audience. Pretty cool. He just did a live show out in L.A., um, he, he's blowing up, so to speak, as the kids say, and uh, it, it's really cool to have him for a few minutes here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. His name is Dave DeFord. Dave, how are you doing, sir? I hope I haven't scared you off with my inherent ramblings, but when you cover and watch the Grizzlies the way that I have the past two years, it, it can be pretty maddening. <laughs> I, I feel your pain. I, I'm doing well, man. Uh, you know, blowing up is one thing to say, but if you go and look, uh, I was talking about making chili the other day, so you should expect nothing less. Oh, well, there you go. I mean, that's, that's got to be the way that it is. So thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. And, and let, let's jump right in here, okay? Because Grizzlies fans are really struggling, and, and I, as whatever the hell you want to call me, media, blogger, person, hybridized fan that I am. I've watched this team past eight years, probably 90% of their games. Okay. So do the math on that, whatever that would be. I've watched a a lot of Memphis Grizzlies basketball, too many Memphis Grizzlies games. That's fair. As I watch this team and I think back to what they were, my biggest issue. And I wrote about it this week for the blog, Dave, uh, I called it the nightmare on Beale street. It's not the the lack of winning because that was going to come, you know, the, the end of the core four era, you could argue that when Zach and Tony left in the summer of 2017, maybe they should have just moved on from everybody. Hindsight's 2020, but that, that would have been an opportunity for a clean break of the era. You try to hold on to something, it didn't work. Now you're, you're stuck in a place where it, it feels apathetic, like there's apathy. And I hate apathy. It's one of my least favorite things on the planet, complacency, just being settled where you are not having the ability to improve yourself from within for whatever reason. And in the case of the Grizzlies, I'm sure we'll talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. It's self-inflicted to, to, a, to an extent, and it looks apathetic the way that they play. I mean, Clyde Drexler himself said when the Grizzlies got blown out by the Houston Rockets, the team doesn't compete, or at least in that particular game they didn't compete. But I think if you've watched this Memphis team, Dave, over the span of the past few weeks, it's not just a one-time thing. They might win a random game against the Spurs here and there. As a whole, over the last 20 or so games, a large sample size, this team is not competing at a level that is acceptable for a professional basketball team. And that, beyond the X's and O's, and we'll get into that stuff, and that's you know really your forte and one of the reasons I wanted you on the show, but I think it has to start they just look like they have no energy. They have no fun together. They look apathetic. They they look like they've accepted what they are, and that's the hardest part for me. Can you quantify that, Dave? Do you agree? Uh, how does that per, how is that perceived to somebody who doesn't watch the Grizzlies or follow them on a day to day basis as closely as I would or any other Grizzlies uh, fan would? I, I have a date for you. 
This is Please. this is sort of the uh, the what what was the date from Back to the Future? I don't know. Sometime uh, in 1955, yeah. and I can't. For, October right. 15th, 1955. That's it. July 1st, 2016. That's when the Grizzlies signed Mike Conley to what was then the richest contract in NBA history, and also Chandler Parsons. And that's sort of your sticking point, or the point where you're stuck from. Chandler Parsons not giving you anything, and Conley being, you know, in and out of the lineup quite a bit. I mean, injuries have just been an issue for him. So, you know, there's your problem. I agree with you. I think when Zebo and, and and Tony Allen were were out of town, everyone should have left. It's a good time to start over. Um, as far as what's happening right now, where they they started out well and look like they could be a playoff team, to you know, losing. I mean, in their last 23 games, they're six and 17 and they have the 29th worst offense in the league. Um, That's coaching. That is poor decision-making and that's poor leadership from guys like Conley and Gasol. Gasol in particular, who just doesn't seem like he comes to play every single night. And that's been his MO for a lot of his career, his body language. He just seems unhappy he doesn't like where the franchise is going. And again, he hasn't necessarily said that out loud, but you can just tell by watching him. You see pictures that people use, whether it's GBB or the Daily Memphian or the Athletic or anybody who writes and follows and covers this team consistently. And the same photo, we all get the same photo bank, whether it's USA Today or Getty or whoever it is. He's depressed as hell in just about every picture. He looks like he wants to jump off of the top of the FedEx forum, which I'm most certainly not advocating for, but he just doesn't look like he's happy in Memphis. And of course, Mark Stein comes out recently with the, with the tweet that there's whispers that Gasol might be planning on opting out of his contract, which I'll be honest, Dave, which surprised me because that's a 25 million plus player option. He's not making that money ever again. Like that's not going to happen for him. So I I think he's going to opt in. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't think he's going to opt in. I think he's going to opt out because I think he can get like, you know, three years, 70 million, something like that. Well, maybe not really? 70 million. Three, maybe three years, 50 million. I don't know why I said 70, but three years, 50 yeah, million. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. Three years, 50 million. And, so let's do the math on that real quick. Three years, 50 yeah. million. That would be what? About 17 million a year? Yeah, something like that. But it's more I total guess. money. And remember, they're guaranteed. So, uh, you know, if, if, he, if he opts in next year to 25 million, is there is there a guarantee that someone's going to sign him to two years twelve? No, not after not after next year. Um, it, he's going to be entering his age thirty six season after that option year, and he's got an injury history. So, you know, it, it's uh, I, I think he's going to opt out. Now, this could be advantageous depending on your your position as the Grizzlies. If you want to move on from Marcus All you essentially can allow him and his agent to negotiate with a team that, that is interested in him. And if he's going to, if they want to work something out ahead of time where he says he'll opt out and, you know, and then get a new deal, that's great. That means you can move him and you might even be able to move him for an asset or two rather than just, you know, a salary dump. Um, But yeah, I think he actually is going to opt out. I think that's a smart play because he can get more total dollars. Oh man, I don't know. I guess guaranteed just from contracts him, in the NBA. He doesn't right, have to I finish the contract. That. I understand that, but my but my thing is, if you watch him play, 
Like, watch him play the last two months. I would not pay him $17 million a year, even in an era where, where the money is inflated. Like, as a Memphis fan and a Memphis blogger, who one of the reasons I still do what I do, Dave, is because of Marcus Gasol and the impact he had on me when I watched the team at, when I lived in Memphis, I would pay him maybe what Zach Randolph made, the, the $10 million a year in his last, or $11 million, whatever it was, that second contract before he left. That's what I would pay Marcus Gasol. I just don't know if the value is there. Now, you're right. If that contract is out there, and Lord knows if there was a two-year, $24 million contract for Zach Randolph to go sit the bench in Sacramento, then there's probably that kind of money out there for Mark. So maybe you're right, but I don't know. I just saw that player option as a big chunk of change. But if somebody's willing to give him three years, $50 million, and let's be honest, it might be the Grizzlies that do that. This is all hyperbole and speculation. And you see them opt out and then re-sign him for three years, 50 mil. Uh, that's possible too. So I think that's fair. those are fair points made by you. But when you look at Gasol's numbers, you look at his splits, the way that he played the past couple of months, compared to where he was in November, you talked about dates and the Parsons and Conley contracts that we can come back to. But since we're on Gasol, gets injured at the end of November. I believe it was uh, like the 27th or something like that against the Toronto Raptors. Rolls his ankle. Since that point, he has been abysmal, and he hasn't just been bad offensively. He's also been bad defensively. Now, you can say that it's health issues. You can say he's not recovering as quickly as he once did because of his age, but you look at last year when he also kind of slowed down and had really bad performances as the season went on, and you were able to write off last year because Conley wasn't there. But now it's a similar situation. Mike is there. Mike's not playing poorly or all that poorly. He's not uh, a superstar or, a, you know, uh, an MVP caliber player, but he's a borderline all-star. I think that's fair to say of Mike Conley. It's not that Mike is playing bad. It's just that Mark has gone down that drastically. It's always been for the Grizzlies that they needed both of them to play well. Right now, Mark looks like, aside from a random blip on the radar against the Spurs, He's not capable of giving that on a night-in, night-out basis. Is it possible for him to bounce back and become consistently that guy again? Or is this what we're looking at in terms of Gasol moving forward? I mean, I think he's 34 years old. And, you know, I, I think that this is just kind of normal. Um, now, having an ankle injury, as people who, you know, listen to me on other podcasts and, and around the, you know, the Twitter sphere know, ankle injuries, I think, are, are – something that the average fan doesn't have a, a firm grasp on. It can ruin your season to have a high ankle sprain in August. Seriously, it can just kill your whole season. It's so hard to come back from. So, you know, the idea that we are seeing a drop off, especially for a big after an ankle injury is not surprising to me, but the truth is it's not like he asserts his dominance, even when he's healthy. I mean, you know, he's very passive, in a lot of games. And, and, you know, it's not like he's taking things over. I mean, the guy's never averaged 20 points in a season. And now he's averaging 15. And that's just, you know, for $25 million, that's just not, that's not going to cut it for your team. You need more production. Um, you know, his shooting numbers have fallen off a cliff since early on when he was by far and away the best shooter on the team. He's still probably your best shooter, but it's not, the, the gulf isn't as big. So, um, you know, I think Gasol is a problem. But I also think you get worse if you lose Gasol. And so you just have to make that decision. This is where the front office has really made a lot of mistakes. You know, 
not only not having wing depth and not not moving Chandler Parsons and, and getting that money off the books so that you can actually get a useful player, but also in not dealing with the Gasol situation. I, I really think that this whole team is probably two and maybe even three years past its expiration date. I, I firmly believe that. I, I think we we see a similar situation up in Portland where they probably should have started moving guys two years ago. Uh, you wait too long, and and nothing good is going to come of it. Washington also has a similar situation. Well, you hear people say when when they're in professional sports, I I've heard multiple GMs on radio shows and podcasts. They the, the goal is to get out. You always would prefer to get out a year too early rather than a year too late, if that makes sense. Say you you trade away Marcus All in the summer of 2016 and he has an All Star season, but then he falls off the cliff like he has. You know, it, it's better to get out uh, and and miss out on one season compared to the subsequent ones where there's an issue than uh, than be locked into where we are. And and I would go back to that summer of 2017 when you made the decision to move on from Tony and Zach. And again, that's hindsight. I was one of the people, just like everybody else in Memphis, who thought that Mark and Mike, as long as they played together, they were the two basketball reasons. Zach and Tony were the the mentality, the culture, the locker room presence. Mark and Mike were the basketball guys who made the thing tick in terms of the Grizzlies being good, uh, especially towards the end there. And it, it just didn't. It just didn't click uh, the way that a lot of people thought it would. Obviously, the Parsons contract and the abomination that that's become um, is challenging. But that's another thing, Dave, that in hindsight, you know, it's easy to rip. But at the time, you know, Chandler Parsons was one of the top 10 free agents available. Chandler Parsons was going to have to be overpaid by the Grizzlies just to walk in the door and become a part of the franchise. And there's a very real possibility that Mike Conley would have left if you had not made a move for somebody like Chandler Parsons. So a a lot of that kind of adds up to frustration, but understanding where it's come from. The Conley contract is okay. Like you can, I can argue that it's fine. Right. I'm just saying that it it is a reason why they're where they are. Um, Sure. But, but in the moment it's totally fine. I mean, you know, you're not going to go get marquee free agents. You got to keep the good players that you have. I get it. Problem is that contract coupled with, the Parsons contract, which looked bad the day that he signed it. Even with all that money out there, it still looked bad. The guy had such a terrible injury history and then immediately had microfracture surgery. So, um, you know, there's that. So there's the due diligence part. But it, you were so handcuffed now because of both contracts. Uh, and although Conley still can at least play and he's good, you know, like the heel right. issue last year being what it was, it's fine, but Conley's still a good player. Like he's still, I guess, kind of worth his contract. And you could move Conley probably if you really wanted to, because some team out there would would convince themselves that they're a Mike Conley away from being a real contender. I mean, there's a bunch out there. Uh, I, I'm sure the 76ers would love to have Mike Conley if they could figure out a way to to add that contract to their books. So you know, it, it's uh, the Conley deal. Like again. It's all about where they are right now, not where they were then. At the time, totally fine. Uh, the Parsons one, though, there's, it, there's no excusing it. It was too much money. It was always too much money. And in particular, man, like, I just, I don't know. I guess maybe I was just always low on Chandler Parsons. And, and, and well, maybe that's, that's a me thing. But, um, no, yeah, I, I never I thought that guy was worth that deal. Again, it's understanding that, at least on my end, it's understanding that Memphis was always going to have to overpay somebody like that. 
uh, for them to come to Memphis. The, the small market thing, especially in free agency, is real. I think people try to make it sound like it's not that big of a deal. It's one of the reasons that you should build through the draft, and obviously the Parsons contract not working out is, is another argument for that. But you're going to have to overpay to get somebody that was his caliber. And, of course, the summer of 2016, you had so many overinflated contracts. Uh, the Conley one is one that has worked out for the most part, uh, but Gasol uh, and obviously much larger extent Parsons uh, uh, being a bigger problem. They were chatting with Dave DeFore. He is a remarkable podcast host. If you haven't just noticed from him talking with us here on this week's show, um, Nerder She Wrote is the name of the show over on the Count the Dings Network. Make sure you're checking them out. Check out him on Twitter at Dave D U F O U R N B A. Uh, great follow, great information. And um, again, I, I like to bring folks in that are outside of the Memphis bubble because we can get, uh, you know, people talk about Twitter being an echo chamber. Well, Grizzlies Twitter is very much an echo chamber, as Dave knows, as he has uh, multiple folks that he follows uh, as part of Grizz Twitter. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the show uh, that the idea of coaching being a major problem with the Grizzlies. Most fans would agree with you. I certainly agree with you. I had an issue with the way that they conducted the Bickerstaff interview process from the beginning or the lack Thought thereof. Thought it was really dumb. Thought it was really Really, dumb. really not smart. Um, there's only 30 such professional basketball coaching jobs in the NBA in the world. Uh, not saying that you're going to get Greg Popovich to leave the Spurs or Brad Stevens to leave the Celtics, but you're going to get people that are interested in the damn job because there's only one of them, 30 of them in the entire planet. All right. So the, the fact that they didn't even go through a process, that they didn't bring in some of these younger coaches that have the opportunity to see Memphis as a launching point, I almost com compare it to a mid-major at the college football level, like the University of Memphis. You show that you can do good work for four or five years as the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, a bigger job, quote unquote, comes open in a bigger market, L.A., Chicago, whatever, and you go and you get that job. And I think that Memphis could become that to an extent if they were able to go out and recruit these guys and be willing to put in the effort. But no, J.B. Bickerstaff was their man. We have our man. Mark and Mike love this guy. What evidence, and I said this on the radio earlier this week with Gary Parrish, what evidence is there to suggest that J.D. Bickerstaff is a good basketball coach. None. There is none, in my no, opinion. He, he There's seems none. to be zero. He seems to be a very good assistant because you don't stick right. around if you're not, right? He is you a just nice don't stick guy. around in the league. The players like him. He, he's somebody that fits what they were looking for. He, he, he's malleable. You know what I mean? He's someone that you can put out in a press conference and he can sit there and he can answer questions well. And But good Lord, you watch his lineups, you watch what he does with Justin Holiday. Uh, that one drives me nuts. Here's a guy who was one of the leading minute getters with the Chicago Bulls. He was in the top 10 and made threes and steals. And the Chicago Bulls obviously aren't a good basketball team, but Justin Holiday is not a bad basketball player. You lose Chandler Parsons through the crapshoot that's become. Kyle Anderson's out, one of the better players on the team now due to injury. And Dylan Brooks is out due to injury. You play Shelvin Mack 25 minutes a game. Omri Caspi leads the team in minutes against the Milwaukee Bucks. And yet, here's a guy who the front office goes out and trades for. Two second-round picks, 
and Wayne Selden and Marshawn Brooks. Now, Marshawn Brooks was bad. I don't care about him being gone. Wayne Selden was at least young. Wayne Selden was somebody that you could still say he's a, an asset, in air quote. Two to three assets that you give up as a front office for Justin Holiday, and he is on the mop-up duty crew for a bad basketball team. There is a disconnect between the front office and the coaching staff, which makes no sense because the front office got their man. Is that as dysfunctional on the outside, Dave, as it is to me being so engrossed in Memphis Grizzlies basketball? Because it makes no damn sense when I look at it. Yeah, no, it was stupid at the time. I, it made no sense. Uh, and you even made a great point here. Um, there are only 30 coaching jobs in the NBA. And I guarantee you there are more than 30 really good basketball coaches in the world. Uh, it showed a lack of creativity. And who cares if they liked him? It, is not, it doesn't matter if they like him or not. The head coach's job is to be good at coaching, to be good at managing the team. J.B. Bickerstaff is not that guy. By the way, very good assistant, and everybody does like him. That's, that's fantastic. But that's not what they needed. Now, if you want to lose games, I think J.B. is your, your guy. So if you were going to tank, sure, just roll with J.B. for a couple of seasons. That's great. But, nah, man, if you, if you really wanted to compete, it just didn't make any sense. Never did. It, it's extremely frustrating. It really is, because I, I said this at the time. It's almost like I hold them to a higher esteem than they do. It's like they, they're, the, per, the public perception to me is they view the head coaching position as something that they can't get top-notch guys so they look for folks that they think can fill the void, can bring in a niche system like Bickerstaff tried to sell with a, a renewed focus on defense and grit and grind and air quotes. That was all garbage. They, they don't physically do it. They don't physically do it. They, they are abysmal at halftime adjustments. They could be down by two against a good team at the half. They could be winning at halftime, and Grizzlies fans, no matter how involved you are in understanding the game of basketball, you know that the third quarter is going to happen, and they're going to get run out of the gym. Because they don't adjust. They can't physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually wrap their heads around the concept that they have to execute defensively for whatever reason. Whether they physically can't do it, that, that's a completely separate issue. But they were physically doing it at the beginning of the season. So where is the disconnect? What has happened to this team that has led them to completely fall off the cliff? Because, like I said, to go from 12-5 and five to 7-20, and 20, that's, that's a nosedive, Dave. So in your exit of nose opinion and your watching of this team, whether it's Bickerstaff, the roster, a combination, it's probably a mix. But what do you see are the biggest issues for them when it comes to just being competitive, forget winning basketball games, forget winning. I just want them to compete. How about just having a better roster, right? Like, you know, we can get hung up on X's and O's and not executing things like that. But the truth is they just don't have a ton of talent. And that, that hurts you, you know, in, in the NBA, actually, you know what? Basketball at every level, the fastest horses normally win the race. And you've got what? You got Mike Conley, who's good. You got Jaron Jackson, who's good, but a rookie. And rookies, you know, are, are typically kind of bad. Like, he's good for a rookie. Is he good? Is he a top 20 player in the NBA? No. You don't have one. And that's what it takes to win. So, I mean, I think you start there, right? Rather than focusing on the X's and O's, I would say 
the front office really sucks. Sorry, I almost dropped an F bomb. The front <laughs> office really catch. sucks. And JV Damn hell and ass. That's what, allow, that's what allow, is allowed on GBV Live. Damn hell okay. and ass. We're a, well, we're the, a damn front office, <laughs> the damn front office sucks ass. What the hell? And, uh, and JV Biggerstaff is not very good. So that's it. I mean, X and O's wise, everybody runs the same stuff. So I, I wouldn't be too concerned by that. Um, but the truth is, man, like, it, it's, it's an organizational issue. I got a question for you. Because you're, you're way more into this Memphis stuff than I am. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I would hope so. Yeah. Um, do you see a scenario where this team is not in Memphis in the next five years? I'm going to be honest with you. At one point, because there's a conspiracy theory. Shout out to Dave Parker, my, my very good friend uh, from southern Mississippi, who I met in Memphis, and, and he's one of my best buddies. He has a conspiracy theory, Dave, that – Robert Para, the absentee owner of the Memphis Grizzlies, who shows up randomly, publicly, every once in a while, does a podcast with, uh, with Grind City Media, the Grizzlies media wing, and then he leaves. Um, he has a theory that he wants the team to develop a sense of apathy with the fan base so it's easier for them to leave when the lease is up in, the, in about five or six years with the FedEx Forum. Now, I used to think that was absurd. And I still don't agree with it, but it's a lot less crazy after watching the events of the past couple of years. Because if you truly wanted this team to grow its footprint competitively, if you truly wanted this organization to maintain what it has had, you would not make the moves that you have made. And that's not even talking about Chandler Parsons. I'm just talking about in the past 18 months. You would not have found a way to hire J.B. Bickerstaff without a coaching search, in my opinion. It, that made no sense. It, it was completely illogical. You would not look for ways to actively make it appear that you are trying to avoid situations with the media. It, it feels like he's banking on apathy development. Now, that is purely my opinion, and I don't necessarily, like I said, that's a conspiracy theory that I don't fully buy into yet. But to answer your question, at first I, I would say, oh, that's complete garbage and hogwash. They're going to they're gonna be here. The, the lease is extremely hard to get out of. The local owners have an opportunity to buy out Para if he tries to do that. So there's still multiple layers to it that would make it extremely difficult. But Chris Wallace is still the general manager of this team after the debacle that was the Tyreek Evans trade scenario. Complete and utter garbage. You know what was offered for Tyreek Evans? You probably do know this, Dave, but I'll refresh your memory. Emmanuel Moutier and a second-round pick, or two second-round picks it might have been, for Tyreek Evans last year. Better than Nuggets. zero. Emmanuel Moutier scored like 25 points today. He, he had a tremendous game against the Wizards. Now, again, it's the Wizards, but that's a young asset. That's a young player that would be very nice to have right now. It'd be cool to have him and sign him on his restricted free agent contract and have him develop alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. That would be awesome. But we lost Tyreek Evans for nothing. For nothing. The way that he has operated and the way that he's gone unchecked. And in their, whether it's Wallace making the decisions, whether it's some other member of the front office, whatever the convoluted structure is over there, it's not working. But it's not being addressed. And that leads to fan apathy. And if fans don't care, then it makes it that much easier 
by the financial bottom line for a group of people that are Memphis business owners for the most part to say, ah, I think we're good. And for Robert Perry to move the team, I think it is more possible today than it was three years ago or two years ago, even. And that is scary to say, I still think it's unlikely, but you know, I would have put it at 99% unlikely two years ago. Now I'm at like 70%. It's eroding to answer your question. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I think they're gone. I don't know where, but I think they're gone. One of them are new in, or New Orleans will be in Seattle. One of them? You, which one do you think is more likely between the two? I, I think New Orleans probably winds up moving first. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why do you it's say because that? Because they don't have the least constraints, I believe. I'm completely pulling that out of my ass, though. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. This is really depressing. This whole conversation has really just driven me further down the uh, the rabbit hole in terms of sadness. Uh, so I appreciate that, Dave. Uh, we're finishing up here with Dave DeFore, uh, great, great podcaster over at Count the Dings. Uh, Nerder She Wrote is the name of the podcast. Awesome stuff. He's written for us over at GBB, did a great guest post a while ago, and, um, and we appreciate well, I his time. Everything that you Jared did. Jackson Jr. has done this year. You did, and, and that's where I'm going I'm to get you out of here on that, and we'll talk about this briefly. Uh, the GBB Live question of the day, I do this every week, um, taking a look at the pulse of the Grizzlies fans. Um, and, and they voted this week on a question that read as follows. Uh, which of the following upcoming free agents for the Memphis Grizzlies should be the highest priority for Memphis to trade before the deadline? Uh, Jermichael Green, Shelvin Mack, Garrett Temple, and Justin Holliday were, were the options. Jermichael Green, uh, and thanks to the over 230 folks that voted, uh, Jermichael Green was the runaway winner at 59%. I think that he is easily the guy that you pair with a second-round pick or something like that, and you can get an actual asset for. You watch him play. He's one of the few that plays his ass off every night, that competes, that I think on a contending team could play 16 to 18 minutes a night and help them on the glass as a shot-of-life energy type of dude who can play both big positions. So I think Jermichael Green's easily the answer to this question. My question for you is what is the market for him? What do you think is realistic to obtain for his services from a contending team? Mm, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's so tricky because you're, you're talking about attaching a second. I would think you might be able to get a second for him. <laughs> you know, maybe a late first. Um, because what you want is assets. You don't necessarily need players, um, but right. any kind of asset, whether it's a draft asset or whatnot, um, you know, you, you're not getting actually, maybe, I mean, maybe you could pry Markel Fultz away from the Sixers. Not, I would not do that just to Michael Green, yesterday. but yeah, I would do so, that yesterday. I would trade to Michael Green and a second round pick or to Michael Green and Ivan Rab. I would do something like that for Markel Fultz today. And the main yeah. reason why the idea was floated, I think it was Zach Lowe on his podcast talking about um, the, the, the possibility of Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley for DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and Dennis Smith Jr. Completely hypothetical, but that kind of move would obviously completely hit the reset button for the Grizzlies and would put you know, a, a, few, a potential star in Dennis Smith Jr. on the Grizzlies. I am interested in getting potential stars that are under contract control. Markel Fultz is very clearly broken. 
He is very clearly flawed. But you know who else was broken when they came to Memphis? Zach Randolph and Tony Allen and Marcus Gasol. These are all guys that were flawed, that were outcasts, misfits. They came and they resurrected their careers. And at least with Markel Fultz, you're getting a young, talented guy who could physically be a star in the NBA for a relatively cheap cost. So those are the type of assets. In addition to, for, if you can get a late first-round pick for Jamichael Green, I wouldn't do it this year because I don't think it's a very good draft. But, you know, a 2021st, lottery protected from the Warriors, just as a, a crapshoot example, sure, I would do that. I mean, I, you're getting something for what is, unless you plan on keeping him, which I think would be a mistake because he's an, an older big at this stage in his career. I think he's going to be 29. You don't need him on your roster anymore. He's a good basketball player. He's proven he's an NBA player, but he doesn't fit what the Grizzlies should be doing moving forward. Agreed. I, I, I wish I could say this was an extremely pleasant conversation in terms of content, but it wasn't. But it, it was an extremely pleasant conversation in terms of information. I really appreciate your time, Dave. Really good stuff. Uh, make sure you're checking him out over at Count the Day. Nerder She Wrote is the name of the podcast. Dave DeFore, thank you again for joining me. Lots of great stuff here. Uh, we'll have you back on the road. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. There he goes. Dave DeFore again of the Count the Dings podcast network. He hosts the Nerder She Wrote, one of the best podcast names out there. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at Dave DeFore NBA. Finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, I am your host, Joe Mullinax. And before I go, like I said, I think there was a lot of good information there, but it was also pretty depressing. I have a fan call who's been holding for about 20 minutes here, which I appreciate. I'm going to go ahead and check out and see what this caller has for me. Uh, you're on with me here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Who am I talking to? Hey, Joe, can you hear me? Yes. Who, who is this? You might know who I am, sir. I used to be a frequent guest on this show. Oh, my God. Is this Chris Faulkner? This is this is Chris Faulkner. Yes, Chris <laughs> Faulkner, former site manager over at GrizzlyBearBlues.com. This is a guy who gave me my opportunity over at GrizzlyBearBlues.com to, to have a podcast, to, to be where I'm at. Chris, how are you, buddy? It's been too long. It has been too long, and this I felt like this was the time to, to re-engage, sir, because... We're we're getting to our lowest, Joe. <laughs> getting to the lowest. Getting to the lowest. So dude, um I'm I'm right there with you on everything. You're it's you're, pretty tough you're right now. On. Yes. And yes, you're somebody you're somebody who obviously has been around uh, the team for longer than me. You followed them back in the pyramid days and that sort of thing. You've seen them been, be bad before. I've seen a lot of older fans who have been around the team say that this is the darkest it's ever been because you honestly thought it's a realization that the, the, the universal truth that we once all believed in, the idea of Mark and Mike being what you need to be good is no longer the case. And that basketball mortality kind of jab in the heart connects to the team being so bad and you don't know what to think anymore and it feels like you're stuck in purgatory uh, peter edmiston a friend of gbb and the gbb bump 
uh, did a great job over at The Athletic talking about that. They're in purgatory. It doesn't make sense for them to tank. So they might explore trades, and they might be sellers at the deadline, but it's not like them completely falling off a cliff willingly uh, like they did last year makes a ton of sense either. So it's very much a, a hopeless situation. At least that's how it feels right now. Yeah, you're you're falling on a sword in any direction that we go right now. Um, so it, my gosh, it's such a mess. It's a blessing that we have Jaron Jackson to at least have a kernel of of a nu- nucleus to have a future for. I mean, can you imagine if we had fallen to six, seven, eight? My God, where would we be? And Joe, I think it is time to. I, I think it's time to get what you can for what we have. It's just uh, like you said, the like grit and grind, like the whole reprise of that was is such a colossal failure that I mean, it's it's obvious that it died with Tony Allen. Zach Randolph like we don't have that anymore it's not working like you said it's just not working it's not there it doesn't teammates it's not inspiring crowd interaction and as we've seen um you know I I think I'm hopeful that Chris Wallace can can pull something out um He's very good at keeping his job. <laughs> it's oh, no, of, he's the cockroach of the NBA, like Chris Vernon says. Absolutely correct. Mr. Teflon, dude. Like, it, he can always find a way, um, which is unfortunate. But, you know, if you're going to hit a, a true reset, I feel like he has to be part of it. But as you're, you and Dave were talking about, like Robert – so I think Robert Pear, rather than – the conspiracy theory is very interesting. Um, I, um, you know, my my Memphis roots will just vehemently deny any of that, and I chalk it up to they don't really know what they're doing, and they've made a lot of mistakes, and they bet on the wrong things. And we're here in this just disgusting mess, and you would really hope that Robert Pera, who's a brilliant businessman, would be able to get involved and kind of find some sort of respectable way out of it. But I, I feel like he's too comfortable with Chris Wallace. He's too comfortable with sort of his little bubble he's built. And uh, I, the reason I don't think that he's conniving to uh, move the team is because Memphians have not been given the ultimatum of attendances declining, the team is going to move. And I think if that call to arms were given to the city of Memphis, I think you'd see people show up to watch a really bad team. At least one that has some promise to it. And, and, you know, I think Jaron Jackson and their belief behind him at least gives um, an impression that they're building towards the future, even though so many of the components that you would want to see around that right now 
are not there. And I, I honestly think that's just because of their own failures and their maybe incompetence. And, you know, Robert Perra came into a new game for himself, and there's probably reasons we don't see him around that often because he might not really know what to do in this arena. But, oh, uh, is that better I, I will, than the, the last guy? <laughs> I I will stress that my it's a conspiracy theory by design, and I'm still around seventy to seventy five percent that I completely think it's not true. But like I said earlier with Dave, I, I'm I was at ninety nine percent a couple of years ago, so right. it, you just see the activity and the action that they're doing. It, it concerns me. Um, it it really is something that is frustrating to watch kind of take hold for a franchise that I know you're passionate about. Uh, obviously I'm still passionate about doing what I do. Uh, it's just, it's disheartening to see what you believe to be a team that should be better than this. And, and I'm not even saying, cause Dave's right. It, they're not a good roster. The best they could no. with what they have. They have a gigantic 25 or $24 million hole in their roster in Chandler Parsons. You're asking Garrett Temple to be a fourth or fifth scorer. You're asking Jared Dixon Jr., a rookie, a good rookie, but still a rookie. You're asking him to be dominant at times when he's on the shortest leash of any of the rookies that are in the NBA. There's just so much that's being asked of so many of these players that everything has to go right in order for them to succeed. And as soon as that starts to crumble, they just fall off a cliff. It's it's a well-constructed house of cards, as it was famously put. I think it was Zach Lowe a few years ago, but it's not as well-constructed anymore. It's actually uh, a very poorly built house of cards that as soon as one is pulled, uh, the whole thing tumbles in. Yes, and uh, and a lot of those layers to that house are gone now. Uh, a lot of the foundation of that house is gone. And right now, the two of their most promising players – who are the, you know, perhaps the future, and Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson are out. They're not even able to, like, sniff the floor. So you're working with, you're working with a quarter of the plan that they came into the season with. But the most disappointing part to me, honestly, and this is why I'm okay with just let's do it now, is that the cornerstones, the two guys who are supposed to be leading the team, who are healthy, healthy enough to play most every game right now, Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, are not leading this team beyond their means right now. And and just the way they have lost some games, Joe, is it, it's, it tells more than the record says if you know what I mean, like to, to lose some of those leads and, oh my, my God, the game last night, like that was, I, I, that's, you know, that kind of solidified it for me because, you know, they, they had the win last week against the Spurs, you know, always awesome to win against the Spurs. Like, oh my God, we never win against the Spurs. But I, you know, that, I think that was just a blip that kind of skewed the, reality you know 
Oh, yeah, it definitely was the exception, not the rule. Uh, we're talking with Chris Faulkner, a great surprise call-in, former site manager over at grizzlybearblues.com. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at Faulkner Memphis. It's like old times, us getting to chat here. Um, now, I do, because I'm up against it. Is it if, do you want to stay on? I have another call to take. I think you're going to want to hear this one. So, Chris, if you're good to stay, are you good to stay? Yeah, 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 I'm, All right, I'm here, here we go. All right, so here we go. So we're going to take one more call here, and uh, we'll talk with our caller, and then we will uh, call it a night. i got about 13 minutes left here. All right, let's see who we got. Who are we talking to? You're on GBB Live. This is the Unk. The Unk. Oh, oh yeah. I was hoping you would call in, Unk. Lay some <laughs> wisdom on us, Unk. We need, we need some help. Give us some guidance. Good evening, dear and valued constituency. It is the Unk's honor to speak with you this evening. The Unk is disgusted. The Unk is upset. The Unk is irate. The Unk wishes to throttle the living shit out of certain individuals. (laughs) The Unk cannot tolerate lack of effort. The unk can tolerate a lot of things, including individuals who believe Chandler Parsons would be good at basketball again. But alas, the unk cannot tolerate lack of effort. A seeming unwillingness to play the game when you are paid millions of dollars. The unk cannot stand for this. The unk is telling the fan base they must revolt because at least revolution can possibly bring about change, but alas, apathy never will. The fan base and a revolution is this franchise's last hope, for if the franchise does nothing very soon, their fan base will be nothing. The Unk has spoken, and we'll take your questions. Well, Unk, I- I'm with you, and that kind of goes along with my, my article that I had over at grizzlybearblues.com this week, uh, The Nightmare on Beale Street. That, to me, because I'm a Washington Redskins fan as well, which I know is another terrible choice that I made, uh, far worse <laughs> than, than that of the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but the, the Redskins are one of the most successful NFL franchises in the NFL. They've won multiple NFL championships, Super Bowls. They, uh, in the 1980s, were one of the most dominant teams in the entire league. And bad ownership and bad leadership from their general manager over the span of years has put their fan base in a place where they just don't care anymore. The, the apathy is crippling to that franchise but the Redskins at least have a solid fan base that has seen sustained success and Super Bowl trophies, Lombardi's lined up in the trophy case. The most successful year in the history of the Grizzlies was a trip to the Western Conference Finals. There's not even a divisional title banner hanging in FedEx Forum. Uh, I feel but, like the... But, but alas, Ooh. Joseph, alas, you've mentioned a general manager... Right. We we are all aware the Unk is not a fan of the man <laughs> who often wears the ugly blue plaid jacket. We are aware of this. 
And yet, the young does not feel he is completely to blame. For the young feels the king who never appears in his kingdom is most responsible, bro. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It, it really is something that that is disconcerting to see. Unc, we'll get you out of here on this because, like I said, I'm up against it on time. What would you say to Grizzlies fans? Again, this has been a pretty negative episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I try to not be this guy, but there's not really much to, to find in terms of silver lining. But even somebody like Jaron Jackson, who in theory should be the silver lining, is not getting the run that he should as a rookie. Uh, he's being held to a standard that isn't necessarily the same standard as the other players on the team. Is Jaron Jackson still that silver lining or is it really just a dark cloud and that's it for the season right now? It is apocalypse. This season is over. Anyone in that organization that believes they will make the playoffs is completely and utterly delusional. This is a write-off, and there is very little to look forward to next season. Welcome to the darkness. Winter is here. <laughs> oh, thank you, Unc. That's a, that's a good one to go wow. on. Thank you, Unc. Good evening, dear constituents. Oh, man. Chris, that was pretty depressing. I don't, I don't know how you feel about all that, but uh, the, the fact that winter is here, uh, is this going to be a long winter for the Grizzlies? Do you think how long, how long is this going to be? Cause I don't know if I could take this. I, I don't know if my heart can take it. Is there any, again, like I said, Jaron Jackson's on the roster in theory, he's under team control for almost a decade, given the advantages of having restricted free agency and offering a fifth contract year here in a few years when his contract is up. Um, is there anything to be optimistic about moving forward beyond Jaron? I should uh, say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and well, uh, it depends on your spectrum of optimism. So um, we've seen that if the Grizzlies lose enough that they will do something about it eventually. So there could be some big shakeup at some point in the season, um, which could perhaps give Jaron Jackson Jr. just a, a you know complete green light to I, I call it a pass out or foul out, and that's either play enough minutes to where you you have to sit down or you foul out, um, which in his case would usually probably be foul out at 19 years old, but. Um, You know, uh, (laughs) outside of Jaron, you know, I think there's an excitement in kind of what um, the unknown is here and what what a shakeup could look like. Uh, The worst case scenario is that the Grizzlies stay stand pat and don't really make any moves, play with Marcus All, Mike Conley, and still somehow end up in the bottom eight in the NBA and I don't convey their pick. That's my worst case scenario. 
is that they try to compete and don't give up the playoff hope, which, like Monk says, is ridiculous right now that they haven't. You know, I don't know how they address that because they're not very good at kind of conveying weakness and vulnerability to the public. Um, right. We don't really know what that looks like for them. So for them to, you know, the, the way they tanked last year was so kind of sly and here and there. They, you know, that they they didn't trade Tyreek. So it, it was hard to gauge their commitment to the tank, even though they – you know, I guess in the end, we're committed to it somehow, even though that, but, you know, so it, I guess it, it'll, it won't be boring, Joe. Like, even though the games, <laughs> even though the games might not really compel you to, to, to feel that way, I think outside of that, I mean, it's just such a mess that I, you know, I think something has to give. Um, you know the the attendance is really bad, but it's not it's not as bad as it was in say like two thousand seven two thousand eight. You know when they they actually had you know real young promising talent and just just a horrible sort of track record in the city. So you know my 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 send out here is that if ish gets so bad that the team is in danger of leaving. I think if you give that ultimatum to the city, I think you'll see something kind of different happen. Not in just attendance. You'll see local media, local, like everyone will push to get people down there to support the team. I, I just, you know, Memphis loves a winner. They love well. They love competition, and like the the Tigers, Penny and the Tigers, they're not just dominating and beating every everyone to a pulp, but they're competing in the games they should. They're losing games they are predicted to lose and winning the ones they should, and the Grizzlies are not doing that. And Memphis supports competition, and then supports competition. I think that's exactly there right, we go. Chris. Well, thank you for calling in, buddy. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you listening. Thank you for everything you've done for me and you've done for GBB. Hopefully we're doing you proud. Thanks to the Unk. Thanks to Dave DeFore. Thanks to you for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. Shout out to Martin Luther King Jr. Day and the game coming up. The Grizzlies always do a great job with that, and that's a positive note to end on there. Um, the, the Grizzlies always do a really cool job with the Martin Luther King Day celebration. I'm glad it'll be back on national TV this year. I'm glad that they'll have the opportunity to hopefully compete at a high level and do the city of Memphis proud uh, on one of the most important days on the NBA calendar. Thanks to Dave DeFore. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to the Unk. Thanks to you for listening. I am your host, Joe Molinax. This has been Grizzly Bear Blues Live.